Hello and welcome to the Why Behind the What and this season's new theme, Ancient Contemplative Spirituality for Today's Transformation. Season two, here we go. I am glad you're listening. I never thought I'd be the pastor who would find himself lying on the floor, under his desk, with noise-canceling headphones on, crying. But there I was, within a few years of being in full-time ministry, within a few years of actually working for churches and nonprofits, after a few years of preaching and pastoring and creating programs and doing speaking engagements, I found myself so overwhelmed with life and so overwhelmed with work that there I was just chilling under my desk like you do. Now, sure, I could have gone for a walk or a run or taken the afternoon off, but that filthy, well-worn carpet, I mean, it just drew me in. It was, it was surprisingly comforting, actually. But at the time, I found myself burnt out, uh, overworked. I felt unprepared for what I got myself into. My soul was aching for something that I actually wasn't sure was even worth it. I started longing for something more. And so the worship songs I sang didn't connect with me. The prayers I said and wrote no longer seemed to mean anything. Reading the Bible became pretty boring. And I was becoming more and more critical in church than I felt as if I was becoming a better Christian. And so work consumed my mind. It was all I thought of. And even though I was present with friends or families members, I wasn't present. I was thinking about the next event and the next sermon and the next worship gathering and the next program I had to create. So I was worn out and tired. And I didn't really think there was anything to do about it. I just thought that's the way it was. And so this dream of being a pastor became a bit of a, kind of a bit of a nightmarish reality. I went from being energetic and passionate to pretty apathetic. Even though I left my career, my former career as an actor and singer, so sure that this was what I was supposed to do with my life, even to the point of getting in debt from grad school, I constantly questioned that decision and wondered if I should break out my tap shoes and just go back to being a singer again. Or some days I just thought I should be a bartender. I, in all honesty, sometimes I thought I would make a better pastor and do more pastoral care in a bar than I was doing sometimes in a church or for a nonprofit. Now, all sorts of pastors are burnt out. It's super, it's, it's normal. It's more common than most of us think. And I'd even say it's a bit of an unspoken epidemic among clergy. And at the same time, though, I think it's also true for just your average Christian and your average person of faith. Many of us are burnt out or tired of religion or sick of volunteering for a church. In a lot of conversations with a handful of friends about faith, I've learned a lot of people feel as if Christianity is no longer working for them. I've heard many friends question if they've over-romanticized their faith, if this is all there is to the Christian life, that it is no longer having a personal impact on their life and their soul. What they learned about God in their younger years no longer seems to be working for them as adults. And they have so many questions about even raising kids in a similar faith to how they were raised. I found a lot of my friends label themselves as recovering Catholics or ex-evangelicals, spiritual but not religious, a person of faith but not a person of the church. And I think a lot of us feel as if we can't bring any of this up among church groups or, or Christians 
And for those who are spiritual leaders of a community, I think it's especially hard to speak on this because speaking about it, well, it can impact your job security. And for the rest of us, I think we're fearful of people's responses. Well, just pray more. Or maybe you don't believe in the first place. Or just have faith and it'll get better. Or maybe there's a fear of being excluded from this church community because you don't align with them with every detail and every belief. For me, it all came to head one Easter morning. Now, Easter, I mean, if you're a Christian, you know, this. it's like the Super Bowl for Christians. I mean, it's the day of all days. It's the, it's the biggest of all big celebrations. If you work for a church, I mean, it is the day you, you work extra. And it's the day you work towards planning for weeks and weeks. And you pull out all the stops. And you hope this service is just going to be jam-packed with people. And it's going to be incredible. And now for me, no joke. I'm, I mean, I love me some Easter. I'm all for celebrating. It is a day I will jump up and down and get my praise on. I'll be all in. I'm all for it. But this one particular Easter morning was weird. It was as if I was numb. I couldn't celebrate at all. I just watched everything happen from a distance, almost as if uh, I'd never been to a church service before. And I kept thinking, what, what is going on here? What are these people doing? What am I doing here? And at the end of the service, as people were celebrating Easter and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus and clapping and jumping, I simply prayed what I think was one of the most honest prayers of my life. I said, God, I think I need a resurrection. And little did I know that this prayer began one of the most transformational experiences and incredible journeys of my spiritual life. If you find that you are somewhere similar, perhaps you're burnt out on church or tired of Christianity, you've become apathetic or critical, or you're worn out with spiritual practices, things aren't working, your soul needs a resurrection. Well, rest assured, it's a pretty normal thing in the Christian tradition. For thousands of years, many people have written of their own dark night of the soul. They've written uh, and journaled about feeling abandoned by God. They've questioned their faith and they've shared their problems with spiritual practices. They've openly spoke of their disillusionment and their personal type or their personal need for a type of resurrection. This feeling is is nothing new. It's actually quite ancient. And it's normal. The author Karen Armstrong has this great quote. She says, When we learn we often learn about God at about the same time we are learning about Santa Claus. But our ideas of Santa Claus change, mature, and become more nuanced, whereas our ideas of God can remain at a rather infantile level. Mmm, love it. Now this makes me ask so many questions. Have, have my views of God remained infantile? Have yours? Are, are they no longer working for us? Has our faith changed, matured, and become more nuanced as we've experienced life and grown and changed? Has our faith and our ideas of God, are they actually bigger than the box we often put them in? Now, just as we deconstruct our view of Santa during some point in childhood, at least I hope you've done that, it's easy to deconstruct our views and even reject an infantile view of the divine. And I think a lot of us sense this temptation, that if our experiences of God and faith are no longer working, then it's easiest just to toss them out completely, give up on faith, no longer attend church, give up on God. Instead, though, I think it's better 
that we reconstruct a faith that actually leads us to deeper levels of consciousness and spiritual awareness. Because when we find ourselves in such a, such a situation, when we find ourselves deconstructing infantile views of the divine and Christianity, we are actually on the brink of deep spiritual transformation and resurrection. So instead of outright rejecting God, Maybe you need to deconstruct certain infantile beliefs about God or deconstruct particular spiritual practices that are no longer working for your soul so you can then reconstruct beliefs and reconstruct practices that actually deepen your faith, impact your soul, and lead you to a greater level of spiritual vitality. See, this is what I love about the Christian faith, that this, this can actually draw you closer to the mysteries of the divine, and it can allow God to be taken out of the box in which we often put this ultimate divine being. What I came to realize in my own spiritual journey was I was getting to the point where I recognized that certain spiritual practices and even ideas about God just weren't working for me and that I needed something new. And as I said in our teaser episode, what I learned And as I deconstructed these views, what I learned was that the something new I needed was actually something quite old. And this is when I discovered the ancient. Up to this point, many of my spiritual practices were just a few things added to my to-do list. And when life got busy, they easily and quickly got bumped to the less important of my tasks. And rather than arranging my life around these ancient contemplative practices, I arranged these lackadaisical practices around my life. And so really, I rarely did them. Now, I was taught to be like Jesus and get up early and do a devotional, whatever that meant. And so Jesus got up early, so maybe I should get up early and try to pray. But usually I just like fall asleep. And also, if you know me, I'm a horrible human being early in the morning. I need at least two cups of coffee before I'm even somewhat of a decent and nice person. So I don't even think Jesus wants to spend time with me before I get a little caffeinated. Just saying. I was also told to read the Bible and read large amounts of it and read it and read it and read it. And it didn't seem like actually understanding it was that important. But I had to make sure that I attended church on Sundays and that these few practices this, this is what I internalized, would draw me close to God. And if I did these things, then God would draw near to me. Or, you know, if I did the certain rules or didn't do the things I shouldn't do or shouldn't say, well, then somehow I would be better connected with God. Now, as an evangelical, as a Protestant, I never heard a sermon on silence. I was never taught to sit in silence and simply listen for the still small voice of God. I was never taught how to pray silently or taught about centering prayer. No one taught me uh, the benefits of solitude or fixed hour prayer, journaling, Lexio Divina, breath prayer. But this is what our faith is all about. These are the practices that draw us near to the divine. Our faith is about union with the divine. It's about discovering the ultimate creator that resides within all of creation. It's about God being near to us as our very breath and us becoming aware that God is with us now. It isn't simply a list of rules or a moral standard or a political party with whom we align. See, I desired a God that was bigger, more complex, more mysterious 
than the ideas of God that were taught to me in Sunday school or those super hipster megachurches that I was a part of. I no longer wanted to be a, a, a human doer, someone who did a lot of things for God. I wanted to claim my identity and my freedom as a human being, someone who spent time with God. And so my journey brought me from meditation to days in monasteries, silence to solitude, contemplative practices to centering prayer. These ancient practices changed everything for me. They saved my faith. They revived my soul. And the thing is, it wasn't as if I even pursued these contemplative practices. It was almost as if I fell into them, discovering them by human accident, but by divine purpose. Now, contemplative spiritual practices are ways that open me up to God's presence, ways to be with God rather than to do things for God. And they're practices that allow God to do things in me while I am simply learning to be, to be present, and to be still. There are a ton of great resources out there on contemplation and spiritual practices. Uh, Thomas Merton, for instance, is one of my favorites. Um, Thomas Keating, Evelyn Under Underhill, Henry Nowen, Teresa of Avila, St. Benedict, Richard Rohr. I mean, basically, if you're a Protestant, you've got to go out and read a bunch of Catholic authors or some early desert fathers and mothers. They, they will blow your mind, I promise you. But I want a life of awareness, a life of presence, and a willingness to be with and open to the world around me, especially an expectation of seeing glimpses of the divine all around me. That's what I want. And contemplative spiritual practices help me to do this. So these practices include solitude, they include uh, silence, centering prayer, meditation, Lexio Divina, fixed hour prayer, or the daily office as it is sometimes known, journaling, a rule of life, the examen, and breath prayer. And there are so many others that we could uh, discuss. But but these are the these are some of the ones I want to uh, discuss with you in the coming episodes. For me, these practices were the most impactful to my soul. And these are the practices that um, position me to become aware of the divine in all things and through all things, as the book of Colossians says. They don't simply help me to learn the Christian life. They enable me to live and experience the Christian life. They open me up to God so that God might do a work in me. And this is how God answered my prayer for resurrection. I didn't transform myself. I didn't resurrect myself. I didn't pull myself up by the bootstraps. I simply tried to be present to the one who is always present to me, present to the one who is always working to transform me. As the beloved Richard Rohr says, we don't think ourselves into new ways of living. We live ourselves into new ways of thinking. And this has been my experience with contemplative spirituality. Using such practices, I have lived into new ways of thinking about myself, about my faith, about the Christian tradition, and ultimately about the divine. And through such contemplative practices, God is using and continues to use what is ancient to transform me today. It's my hope that you'll join me into living into new ways of thinking so you might experience the presence of the divine. On the next episode, I'm going to start narrowing in on a few of these practices of contemplative spirituality. Until then, you can check out the show notes for more information and some links. 
can always find more information and subscribe to my newsletter on my website, nathanalbert.com. Also, if you would please be willing, can you please share this podcast on social media? And if you could just go to iTunes and leave a review on iTunes, that helps the algorithm so more people can find it and listen to these episodes. Next week, our topic will be silence, and I'm excited to invite you to draw into silence with me. Until then, may you have peace, may you have calm, may you have happiness.